Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. If you don't unlock the mindset, if you don't unlock someone's why, they won't then have the courage and you get good learning and good intellectual rigor, but you don't actually get brave action. Mm. And so for me, that's where the art and the science come together and it, it has to be both. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. One thing that's got me incredibly excited over the past few weeks is that we've begun to onboard some terrific new podcast partners that can offer you, our listeners, access to a plethora of discounted, high-quality product and service opportunities. If you check out our partners page, you'll see that we've started to add some leading brands like Welly Foods and Bonnie, and you'll soon see Chief Nutrition and New Recover in there too, over at our partners page. I'll pop a link to our show notes there, and soon you'll hear a bit more about these terrific partner brands and be able to access heavily discounted opportunities to enjoy them just because you're a valued listener. The thing that these brands all have in common is that I reached out to them personally because I love, believe in, and use their products in a way that has certainly elevated my own well-being and quality of life. If you want to partner with Humans of Purpose to promote your organization, products, or services, we're open to just a few more values-aligned partnership opportunities for 2023. To learn more about this limited opportunity, read on in our show notes and do connect. This week, we welcomed another new gold member to our growing supporter community. Welcome, Pravati, and we hope you'll enjoy listening to our comprehensive catalogue and upcoming episodes via your private dedicated members feed that will give you early ad-free access to our entire catalogue of nearly 300 episodes ad-free with an exclusive behind-the-scenes audio note and episode transcript, as well as an opportunity for brokered personal introductions to any of our podcast guests. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Vanessa Gavin. Vanessa is the founder and joint managing director of Maximus International. Maximus is a leadership performance firm. They challenge organizations and the leaders within to reach their full potential, find purpose, and achieve lasting impact. They shape leaders who create the future. I've been looking forward to meeting Vanessa for some time, given her and Maximus's reputation and track record for shaping ambitious and dynamic leaders and culture in Australia. In a world and time where I think ambitious leadership is needed more now more than ever, it was great to sit down with Vanessa and discuss the key challenges and opportunities for this and how Maximus is making it happen with depth and at scale. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Vanessa as much as I did. Vanessa, I'm so glad you could join me this morning after a couple of weeks of conversations. How are you today? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm good. And where, where do you find yourself? You look to be in a very high-tech sort of setup over there. I'm in our offices down on the wharf at Jones Bay Wharf in Sydney. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Well, I like to get started and I would like to do so in a bit of an unconventional way, knowing that you're a person of great uh, creativity and uh, interest uh, beyond the realms of what you do in leadership. And I think always a good place to start when you try and understand other people is to ask them what their favorite three movies or TV series are and, and why. And just 
For me, a bit of this is about exploring the role of creativity in how we think about leadership. So I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. I could always go first, but I'm really keen to know, um, as somebody who has aspirations beyond what you do, uh, what what really draws your attention and um, what, what really unlocks your mind and lets you roam free in that space? So the movies that I most admire are have like a really creative sense to them. So I love um, anything that sort of stems from George Lucas. So I'm a bit of a Star Wars fan. And I think what really intrigues me about that is how you let your mind create the sense of a huge community and um, essentially a whole world that's different from the one that you live in and, and go to that place and kind of imagine characters. And so things like that, I love um, J.K. Rowling's work and um, probably the scientists in me, um, as you know, I've got a background in psychology, so I love anything that is a little bit um, that is a little bit clinical. And so I love um, detective and sort of crime and um, those types of movies as well. So I'm a bit of a, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a serial watcher of those types of pod, those types of shows. Yeah, uh, we don't get enough of that in my household. The the making a murderer, I think, started it all off, and then. Um, we feel sometimes like quite sick people, my wife and I, because we find ourselves gravitating towards these murder trials that we follow and then try and understand the psychology. Um, but yeah, I think I've always grown up in a household where movies and storytelling and narrative really give us that um, lens to creativity and exploration that I think is really important in leadership today. And just wanted as a sort of starting question, you know, how how important is creativity to leadership in, uh, from your experience and perspective today? It's huge, but I think it's really underrated. You know, if I if I think about my own journey, I feel like growing up, it was really instilled in me that I had space and time to play and explore. And I think, you know, in that generation, we had a lot of freedom to do that. And I took that with me into the workplace. And in those early jobs, I had a lot of space to, to kind of create an opportunity in terms of those early greenfield field roles to create. And then when it came to starting Maximus at 27, you know, again, it's your platform. So what do you actually want to do with it? And how do you think about, you know, creating something and being competitive and the role that innovation creation has in that? I think the challenge that I see with a lot of leaders today, you know, in the quest of doing more with less and more with less over and over um, through different cycles, we, we come to this addiction around efficiency Mm. and efficiency is great like we need that but you need the duality of efficiency and innovation um in this in modern leadership and and that becomes quite a challenge in terms of how you create zip different zones and different environments to foster both of those things that's a great answer i think we should come back to that um discussion around that trade-off between efficiency and innovation because i think it's yeah. you know i think a lot of the time when we have to make decisions like this about how we manage time these are trade-off decisions um they're not always zero sum but they certainly involve uh deliberate choices let's come yeah. back to that um but i think um what would be interesting for me. I mean, you mentioned starting Maximus at 27, which is just incredible what you've built and sort of seeing it unfold a little bit through my own networks too has been great. A, a core tenet of um, probably your journey, and I think Matt, the Maximus journey has been around ambition and ambitious leadership. And having an ambitious leadership agenda is something we hear a lot from for Maximus. What does that mean for you and sort of how you've lived out your journey and in terms of what you bring to Maximus today as part of the vision? It means that you can be deeply dissatisfied with the status quo 
but kind of in yourself satisfied with life in the same moment. Um, and so ambition for me is just the quest for progress and always being better. What's next? How, how do you, you know, how do you strive for that, for that next agenda? And, and not just from a financial perspective or from an organizational growth perspective, but who are to you? Who are you to the market? What do you mean? Who are you to society? What does that do? Um, holistically, what's the impact that you want to have over a long horizon? And then it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the hero's journey, I guess, in terms of that kind of quest that you go after. There's going to be tests and there's going to be challenges, but you're always striving for that thing. And I think, you know, that comes from something within you. And we have a saying around our mission in Maximus, which is if it's in you, we'll find it. And a lot of what we're trying to find in the leaders we work with is, um, you know, that that inner courage, like that inner quest of of what are they actually striving for? And that's where purpose and, and intent and knowing what's most important becomes really important. Yeah, I like I like that. And I, I think I'm really excited by the term ambitious leadership. I've heard a lot of different types of leadership over the years. Yeah. You know, mindful leadership. I think we went through an adaptive leadership phase. Um, we've had you know, servant leadership, all types of different leaderships are sort of elevated. But I think ambition and the way you describe it as coined in conviction, purpose and courage, um, it means a lot to me and sort of wonder why it's so important to you and to Maximus. It's easy to put off things that don't seem to be urgent right now, but protecting your family simply can't wait. So while you're doing it all today, tomorrow has a partner, Mass Mutual. Find out more at massmutual.com slash financial legacies. It means a lot to me too, because we're here in service of something bigger than ourselves. And if you don't know what you want to influence in terms of purpose, and my, my honest view is, you know, I'm, I'm with leaders most of my days. I've done this for, you know, within Maximus for 21 years and for a time before that as well. and. What I see is a lot of leaders who ideologically have a narrative around what their purpose is. But when you really pressure test it, you can see that it's, it doesn't come through in their eyes and you don't feel the heart in it. And, you know, it, it's a sense of what it should be or what they'd like to do, but they haven't necessarily done the work, the introspective work, the work on their, on their story and therefore what they want to influence about the future to really stand for something and have that conviction to go after it. And not everybody feels courage, you know, in every moment. But the thing that builds courage is conviction. When something is really worthwhile and worthwhile the risk, you go for it. And that is where you find the courage, even if you feel the fear. And I think that's really important in a modern economy that's more disruptive, you know, it's more fragmented than what we've ever seen before. It's not an easy environment. It's probably the hardest environment to lead through with the, you know, post-pandemic, the talent challenges, the rapid rate of technology. You know, life is changing at a pace that we've never really experienced before and we're leading through that. And so you need to stand for something Mm. and know what's important. Love that. And I think um, what stands out for me there is uh, often when you work with leaders that haven't done the work, it becomes very obvious because when you ask them about their own 
purpose uh in a personal sense they will just sort of parrot what the company's mission statement is yeah um and there's sort of that deferral back to what the organization wants me to say rather than what i've deeply considered as my own sort of manifesto absolutely yes interesting and so look um we're talking about the pace of change we'll come back to that question that i really wanted to ask you because it's always on my mind does strategy eat culture for breakfast the strategy culture for breakfast. Look, when I started Maximus, so as I said, I started it, I was very young. I, I'd come out of um, an amazing environment in Morgan and Banks and had this exposure to, you know, two entrepreneurs there and in a business environment, which was all about kind of ambition and drive. And when I had the moment where I decided to start Maximus, I'd actually, um, I left Morgan and Banks at that time and I'd gone to another environment and really just didn't feel that dynamism culturally that brought me to life um, in that environment. And I was out looking on interview with um, larger firms and, you know, was going home and talking to my then fiance, Daniel, about, you know, what was the right career path and where would, where would we go? And to, in a sense, to a sense, I was working on what was my personal strategy but I had this moment where I was sitting in the foyer of an ad agency and saw people working. It was really creative and dynamic and, you know, they just felt alive. And I came home that night and I said to Daniel, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want to create. Like, that is the, that is the type of being. And so for my first, I would say, five years of the business, that was the picture I had in my head. And, of course, I wrote the strategy every year like a good consultant does and knew what I was going after in terms of growth and targets and offerings and those types of things. So you do need you you do need the plan, the game plan, but really the picture in my inside my mind that I was chasing in terms of progress and future potential was more of a cultural picture. It was what it felt like to be there. And ironically, you know, I said to you, I'm speaking to you from the wharf down in Sydney and, you know, our environment here, it's a creative environment, as you can see. I don't think it's an accident that, you know, 15 years later, I ended up kind of almost replicating that, that kind of picture in a different way that, that felt right for our business. So I'm huge on the discipline of strategy has to be there. You have to understand how you're unique and different in market. You have to be di differentiated. You have to know your vehicles to market and how you're going to win and what the plan is. You have to have really good economic kind of logic and be strong on that. But if you don't have that vision in your mind of what you're creating, you know, you're just following an intellectual plan that doesn't have conviction to it. So you need both is the answer, but you, you need to, it needs to be emotional and logical. Yeah, I love that. It's such a well-crafted response. I think it's always a tricky question because it's always both, but in what order and what level of importance? And I love the way you answered that with sort of the, the heart and the, the mind as well. What sort of advice do you sort of find yourself most giving to senior leaders around how to shape um, ambitious cultures or flourishing cultures uh, uh, in, in your line of work? You know, I work with a lot of really large organisations who, where there is a lot of legacy inside the organisation. There's cultural legacy, there's systems legacy, you know, there's people legacy. 
And so a lot of the focus um, about growth and being able to make change in those organisations and be really competitive, go after something ambitious is about mindset. It's about how to change the mindset of this is how things are done to what's the outcome and and what should we be doing and what does that mean in terms of how we need to think differently, how we need to operate differently. A lot of the time it's getting them to not focus inside but focus outside to look at what others are doing, to take innovation from outside. Um, One of my favourite things we did um, during the COVID period was um, a solution called our expedition. So we recognised that a lot of Australian firms were going to be removed um, geographically from, you know, the great stuff that was going on around the world. And, you know, we'd had a conversation with a number of our clients who said, we'd just love to get out and see what's going on and how others are responding. And so we said, how do we make that happen? So we literally did hundreds of experiences virtually, you know, looking at the future of space in Israel, looking at flying cars, understanding what was going on in terms of the convergence of tech in Silicon Valley, uh, looking at scaled incumbents that had disrupted themselves like DBS, like um, Bank Lumi. Like it was just, for me, that was one of the best things that came out of that period from a work perspective that we just explored while all this chaos was going on. Um, so yeah, the, the advice to leaders is about being up and out. Mm. And even when you're looking at those other organizations, not thinking about what's like me that I can copy paste, but really thinking about it from the perspective of what are the principles behind how they're thinking about this? And what's really interesting to us about those principles and how might we work out where we sit on a spectrum like that and 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 think about where we get value out of thinking differently. Mm, that's, that's fascinating. And in terms of the the leadership teams that you've seen sort of flourishing and doing well during these challenging times, are there things in common around the way that they're leading uh, that, that sort of stands out to you and sort of things that you, you pick up on that you might share? Yeah. So at Maximus, when we're working with, whether it's an exec team or if it's your sort of top directors or senior leaders in an organization. The thing that we like to focus first on is emotional commitment and connection. And I think that's really that's really been traded off a lot in the last couple of years where everybody's, you know, had different digital ways of working. And, you know, there's so much benefit to hybrid working and flexibility and how people can run their lives. But one of the trade-offs is got a lot of people who don't really know each other because we've traded off traded off a lot of those incidental conversations. So we do um, quite a lot of um, deep work on backstory, the moments in life that have kind of really shaped us. And through that work, focus on getting leaders to really understand and build rapid trust with each other. And so when you understand where someone's coming from and you understand the way they look at something, then it makes it much easier to kind of explore how you resolve challenges or or issues or take on opportunities together. So we start there and then build from there, build on strategic thinking, build on culture, build on performance skills. Yeah. Vanessa, I love that answer uh, because it tells me that you have a psychology background. (laughs) 
true. <laughs> the, the focus on emotions and trust, I mean, it's such a bedrock thing, isn't it? But doesn't it just sort of come back to that sort of thinking that actually uh, at the start and at the end of the day, we all wake up and go to bed as humans with human needs that are very emotional at their core. And, you know, I mean, you could sort of see that um, places that lack trust uh, don't collaborate well and don't produce good outcomes. Sort of a bit obvious, isn't it? It's obvious, but we have this propensity to want to go so fast. And I get it. Like I am just unreasonably driven around pace and speed and growth and those things. So there's a huge part of me, you know, it's kind of like the right and left brain, like, you know, the the driver in me is like, yes, I get it, go fast and be ambitious and, you know, be unreasonable. But, yeah, the psychologist in me is is very much about saying, look, for people to really have candour, be honest, speak the truth, uh, look at things differently, you have to create the conditions, the conditions for brilliance. And part of those conditions are trust, but part of the conditions are also challenge and being honest and speaking the truth. And if you don't have trust, no one is really going to tell you what they're thinking about something when it's not going to work or there's roadblocks. So, you know, the cultures that we work with, we're trying to unlock those things, build the trust, get the candor, um, get alignment around the big, the big rocks to get right. And then, and then drive the pace because you then got all the conditions to drive the pace to go after it. Yeah. It makes so much sense. I love it. Um, look, leadership for me is one of the hardest concepts as an intangible to kind of wrap my head around. And I think it's the same for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people don't know where to place leadership on the art to science spectrum. Is it more of an art? Is it more of a science? Is it theory? Is it discipline? Is it experiential? Um, for me, leadership has been primarily an experiential, uh, say continuum of development. Um, and that sort of impacts on how I build my leadership capability. I'm sort of curious, how do you think about leadership in terms of it's uh, it's an intangible, but it makes such a tangible difference. Do you think of it as more of an art or a science or how do you sort of envisage that and how do you then sort of build that uh, with um, the clients that you work with? Well, obviously I made the choice to kind of make my career about leadership. So, you know, when I was building Maximus, we came to a pivotal point to say, you know, if we really want to own something to kind of have a strong impact on um, that thing was leadership and having a disproportionate impact on how people grow and how strong they are at like building, um, building solid communities, building organizations, building industry. So my view on leadership is, you know, if my purpose is around, you know, at a social level, at a bigger picture level, if it's around creating, you know, a world with more abundance, you know, and keeping, protecting the good things like like our environment, making sure that it's a socially good and just world for young people to grow up in and that economically it's it's an environment full of, you know, opportunities like I've had to be able to, you know, create my own destiny and shape that, you know, if I'm convicted that that's the world that I want to influence and be part of, then the reason why leadership is so critically interesting and important to me is because 
I think the leadership roles, whether it be public sector, whether it be industry roles, whether it be leading, you know, in, in disciplines like medical research or things like that, I think leaders become, you know, like they're the orchestra conductors, like they're the ones who are shaping the agenda. And that sort of links into our purpose as a company that we shape the leaders who are creating the future. And we shape them, as you were saying, with more ambitious agendas and, and looking within to see how they bring that to life. So I, I think leadership is critically important. I do think it is both head and heart. Um, our work is always head and heart. So I would say in our early years, we did a lot of head work around, you know, strategy and do you know every business model and are you across all the models and the frameworks? And, and then tripped over the truth that if you don't unlock the mindset, if you don't unlock someone's why, they won't then have the courage and you get good learning and good intellectual rigour, but you don't actually get brave action. Mm. And so for me, that's where the art and the science come together and it, it has to be both. It can't be one or the other because otherwise you go in and you've got all this art that kind of, you know, inspires people but um, you don't necessarily have the credibility speaking the business language and, you know, to influence boards and, you know, executives at the top of really complex organisations, you have to speak their language and you, ha- you have to show them that you understand that you're going after the things that they need resolved. Fantastic. On another note, You've built something really special at Maximus. I've got a bit of an inside track to your culture and yeah. the way you guys communicate and the fun that you have there. A um, couple of just uh, pop quiz questions. Who's got the best fashion sense at Maximus is my first question. Oh, Carla, our, our CMO, she's out there. There's always a bit of zebra <laughs> print. There's these wild pink glasses. She, <laughs> she is all sizzle. She's dynamic and, Yeah. <laughs> Second question, who's got the best shoe and footwear at Maximus? Oh, I would say that's a hard one to judge because we have like these sneaker days where everyone comes in and they've all got these wild sneakers. Um, Lani, who works with me, would be up there in the sneaker category. But, um, yeah, there's there's pretty good dresses in here. Like there's a lot of fashion in Maximus. Along holds his say, own too. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that guy, but yeah, the rest of them sound great. Um, and, and in terms of the best music and Spotify playlists, who, who's oh, pumping the Alon. best tunes? Yeah, <laughs> Alon keeps us all informed with the, you know, his his music playlist is, you know, well sought after and always kind of offering recommendations oh, he, on our he, WhatsApp. He, I think you should make him uh, the resident DJ as well yeah. as the other amazing work he does. He sent me this morning Colombian Party House playlist, and I was just thinking to myself, yeah. this is after the most other obscure playlists he's sent me, which include Moroccan chill uh, AM and, and things like this. And I just think this guy has the most diverse music taste and creativity, and I guess that's why you love him at Maximus and why he's been a mainstay. Yeah. And we do have our fair share of, you know, karaoke at times too. <laughs> <laughs> so do you folk I mean my belief and my kind of philosophy around leadership and um living a good life as well as sort of outside of the work context is that fun really matters a lot. Um I didn't used to always think that way but yeah. I've seen how fun can motivate and really create glue between people and build a great culture. Do you prioritize that and sort of I wonder how you build that into some of the other things that you do at Maximus and your working culture? Yeah. 
to be honest, we had a we had a conversation about this at the end of last year, coming into um, this calendar year, because we we looked at it and historically, like if you look over the years, there's you know yes, fun is a key part, and you know it's about making sure that the culture feels dynamic. And if you think back to the story I told about you know the experience of you know, just seeing those people in action. So I think fun comes out in the way you collaborate and the way work is done, as well as the kind of auxiliary things you put around in terms of eating together and meals and things like that. So during the last couple of years when, you know, there was a lot more pressure, we focused a lot on, you know, doing things like bringing people back in and having meals together and connecting and speaking and talking. And it was probably more deeper, genuine, authentic connection was kind of where we put our focus. We came back into the issue saying, I feel like we lost a bit of the joy. Like you'd be on planes together, coming back, you'd go and deliver a big experience, you'd go, you know, and celebrate after. We'd lost a bit of that celebration. And I had, um, I've joined the advisory board of this amazing um, social media challenger firm called We Are Eight. And I'd gone to their launch, one of their launch events last year. And, I, you know, it was a spritzer night and it was just so dynamic and, I obviously, I had, I felt the feelings of startup environment, you know, where I was like, oh, it's this buzz and the startup. And, you know, I was kind of missing a bit of that. And I came back and I said, I just, we need to bring the joy back. Like summer spritzers coming into the year, get the clients, make sure that everybody, like we're, we're putting joy out into our ecosystem as well. And so we've been focusing a lot on that and really just ramping that up, dialing it up. But we focus on fun and substance, I, I guess is probably mm-hmm. the simple answer. So yes, you know, the spritzers nights, the celebrating on experiences, the connecting, you know, there's a lot of um, community kind of monthly breakfast barbecues and things like that that we do in here to kind of connect the tribe because as consultants, you're out so much. Mm. But um, it's been something that we had to look at honestly and say have have we traded off that a little bit and has it been more sort of um less energetic authentic Mm. connection and and do we actually just need to bring a bit more of that vibrancy back in so yeah we had to love it pretty cool so um go back to maybe more serious strand i mean you speak to a lot of senior leaders ceos board directors across the country what do you think um or in your experience what other major challenges or questions that are keeping um senior leaders up at night yeah there's a lot of economic pressure in the market there is a lot of tech change going on which means you know with keeping pace of that technological change, it's going to require people's roles to change and environments to change. So I'm seeing a lot of um, cost pressure in terms of operating models where people are saying, I'm being expected to grow and evolve and really keep pushing that progression. Technology is being infused in and I'm actually being asked to do business differently and to kind of um, resize or reshape how I'm doing that. And I think it's really hard. Like that is a really hard because you want to keep things coming out of a crisis. And in the first few years post-crisis, you want to keep a sense of safety and kind of growth, but safety is not necessarily the answer and Mm. consistency is not necessarily the answer. You have to, um, I think you have to focus on evolution Mm. and that's challenging I personally feel like there needs to be a shift in how leaders think about um, 
security for people. It's just, we talk about it in here, it's just become way too easy to make big layoffs in companies. And I think sometimes it gets forgotten that that person has to still go home at the end of the day if they lose their role and tell their family that they don't go to work tomorrow. And, you know, that is, you know, I've I've had to make those decisions. It's Mm. one of the hardest decisions you make. You don't ever take it lightly. It's brutal on you. It's brutal on them. But I feel like it requires a view on sustainable growth that I haven't always seen in companies. And so that for me is where, again, the human side and the strategic intellectual mind have to come together to say, if we're not looking two, three years out and we're not looking at the technology changes, the convergence, what's coming, the changes in business models and really thinking cleverly and long-term about that and sequencing what we need, we're going to be finding ourselves in a stream where we constantly are making these decisions and it's not the right thing for society. Hmm. Well said. And so just on that note, I mean, coming back to our earlier conversation about the need for innovation and that potential trade-off between um, running too fast, maybe efficiency and that time for innovation, how does the modern leader build innovation into their arsenal of tools and and, and enliven that within their organisation and sort of enable that to drive culture too? Yeah. We were talking before about the conundrum between efficiency and mm-hmm. space for innovation. And anybody who's done any kind of significant innovation will know that it requires trial and error, testing and learning. You don't always get it right. You have to have a different mindset about mistakes. And so I think, again, the conditions, making sure the conditions are right for someone to kind of chip over something that is quite incredible and unique. And managing those types of creatives or or business people who can apply that kind of creativity in that way requires just a different management of that environment as well. So I think being clear about when's the time for core execution, efficiency, or, or the teams that you're looking for that from, and where are you actually looking for something different, but not trying to do that in the same moment or space creating breathing space for those things to flourish. I go, I look at my role as a founder, I go, half of it is about finding the white space, creating the new, building new offerings. And part Mm. of it is running a good business that provides a good future for everybody in it. So Mm. you have to have both of those things in tandem, tandem. But my mindset when I'm going into each of those spaces, the level of space I create is very different. Mm. Mm. And I can't switch in a day. Yes. Yes. I think um, one of the practices I've brought into our team at Info Exchange is just around giving people, you know, a half a day a week to take time uh, to not do any work, but just to work on how they work. Uh, so that idea around sort of not necessarily a high level innovation, but just process innovation and what we will do is then come back as a group and report on what we learned and what's come out of that. And we've seen some really amazing results um, to date. We've had um, you know, our whole um, process for dealing with um, internal queries and, and workflow changed by someone who came up with a great system in that you know couple of hours a week. And that's a great example because that person that came up with that example, you know, they might be someone who's sitting inside your business somewhere. And all of a sudden, like they feel like they can do anything because, you know, you've run a process where they've kind of come up with something and that's been pulled through. And I think creating environments where everybody can have a contribution and, 
you know, they can feel like they're special and different at something, um, I think is is really important. Yeah, it's so well said. So well said. Um, and so, look, talking a bit about the future, I mean, I don't know um, how much of a conversation you want to have around AI and chat GPT and, and what's, what's to come. But I, I do, at the beginning, I think I was a bit more of a sceptic around how important AI was in the conversation and how much it was going to change workplaces. Um, I've always been a big believer that we work best when computers um, do a lot of the hard processing work and we provide the judgment and maybe some of the emotional acuity to, to that sort of task work. But I'm starting to see with the evolution of ChatGPT4 and a lot of these other tools that we might be at a bit of a breakthrough moment in terms of how work works and how society thinks about work and how that impacts people. Love to get your take on that and sort of what you're seeing play out. Uh- if I look at chat GPT, I feel like I saw many sectors of the market that were shocked by it. Like I think high ed was a little bit better equipped, but if I look at our schools, I think our schools were shocked by how quickly that came online, mm-hmm. the impact it had into the way, you know, students were kind of, you know, there's still confusion in terms of can they use chat GPT, can they not? And I think we want to find a way that these things aren't, you know, shocking us and we're not kind of in this defensive responding mode as leaders. So, you know, I, I think having leaders play, explore, understand, get in amongst it and understand. So I do think the role for leaders is understanding. I don't think it's just purely understanding each of the technologies, AI, machine learning, whatever it be. I think it's understanding how they're going to converge. And what that's going to mean in terms of leaders being able to quickly adapt with different business models, mm. different rules of work, um, you know, real, true agility. You know, it's not about running agile teams in our organisations. It's actually embodying agility in terms of how we look at those things coming online and what it means for change. Mm. But you can't adapt to something if you don't understand it. Like you need to Someone said to me, you need to be the dolphin recently. Like, you know, you need to sit up at that, you know, 10,000 feet, but you need to dive down, understand properly, be curious, and then get back up there. And I think when it comes to technology, getting the business to teach, you know, getting the business to teach technologists what's important for the business and tech to teach the reverse is incredibly important. Mm. I don't think that happens. No, I mean, it's a fascinating time. What I'm sort of seeing a little bit is some leaders have been quick to sort of jump on board and have a play. And like you said, the dolphin thing, which is really important. And um, certainly even within our organization, we've seen pockets of people starting to use um, ChatGPT to do interesting things. But I think, you know, the more I think about it, and I heard this in a podcast the other day, the longer you wait to start to play with this sort of technology, um, the further behind you're going to be when it starts to hit the mainstream. And the comparison was made to people who um, were looking for jobs maybe 20 years ago. And, um, you know, the the PD would say MS Office uh, skills highly valued in <laughs> PowerPoint and Word. And, you know, at that time, a lot of people just didn't have those skills because they weren't early adopters. Exactly. No, and I think everybody inside the organisation has a role to play. Um, I had someone come up to me on, we deliver a, a piece in our experiences called a capstone, which is where, you know, if you've worked with leaders for, you know, the good part of a year or nine months at the end of it, they really deliver this kind of really compelling 
presentation which shows their conviction. And um, one of one of the participants I was working with a week ago literally showed me his chat GPT version of, you know, using my language, Maximus's language, <laughs> you know, what that would be. And I just, you know, that kind of just bring it into the vernacular of what you're looking at and talking about every day and just that the the play doesn't have to be organised. Like you can actually just be exploratory in the way you're kind of running your normal day. And I think, um, you know, our Gen Zs, um, millennials, you know, they all have a role to play. You know, the digital natives in our environments, like can, you know, they're all over it. Like they can just bring that to the conversations and um, make it the norm. I'm still trying to figure out how digitally native I am. Yeah, yeah, me, not so much. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I kind of understand the macro better than I actually there are certainly yeah, I get teased for how I use some things. Um, one thing I think that is really important to think about as a leader is how you structure your day for success. And I'm always curious, um, you know, to learn from you and what you've learned from other leaders is, you know, for you, what are the essential things that you need to do in a day to have a great day? And if you could just talk a little bit about your morning and evening routine as well, and any wellbeing hacks that you have within that, that, um, makes for a really uh, productive and harmonious day. Yeah, I'm not going to give you the answer that you would want because I would love to tell you that I wake up at five and I do my meditation and all of that. <laughs> like that is not the case. Um, and and to be perfectly honest, I look at success on a on a longer frame than than a day because because of the nature of my work, I'm still halfway between, you know, working sort of in this hybrid for, format as well as being on planes and traveling and all of those things. So. You know, like probably a lot of your listeners, I'm I'm still in the mess of you know being on calls with different countries and connecting on very much virtual experiences. Whilst yeah, I might be facilitating in Melbourne in a day, or I might be running an experience in another location that I need to travel for. So for me, it's all about perspective and intent. So I look at it on a you know, on a three-monthly view, I've got to practice on a weekend, usually on a Sunday night, where I look at and say, you know, what's most important? And I have a note in my phone about what good looks like. You know, I, of course, I want to get a number of exercise sessions in a week. I know the mix of what they should look like. I know what kind of food I want to be eating. You know, I ideally want a certain amount of sleep and those things. And, you know, I want to be present at home with my, you know, I've got two children, a husband, you know, they're 13 and 15. They are, you know, incredibly important to me. And I want to be a present mum and show that you can be really present, drop your kids to school, pick them up, you know, pick them up sometimes and just be in their world as well as being a great career person. Equally, in the career side, I've got an ambitious agenda. I'm not letting up on that. I want to be present. I want my team to know me. I want to be accessible and make all of that work. So if that's the intention and then outside, I want to be part of that ecosystem. You know, I want to be the same, same things to my clients and the people that I've got those long-term relationships with and, you know, for them to know that they're important in my world. So if you look at all of those things, that means on a long-term horizon, those all of those things have to get in, which is why I don't look at it on a day because on a day, 
I don't ever get the mix right. But, you know, on a three-month view, have I been there in the most important points that really mattered for clients where they really needed me? Have I been there for my team when they were really having these challenges? Have I been there for my kids for the things that were most important for them? And, you know, am I keeping a nice connection with my husband on the things that, you know, so that at the end of the day we have heaps in common and are connected like when, you know, all this said and done and you go off into, you know, life when the kids grow up. And you want to make sure that all of those things feel right along the way. And I think that's really important. So, yes, there'll be times where I go, I didn't get my three exercise sessions in or we ate too much takeout this week because things were chaotic and there was big stuff on. But you ultimately want it to calibrate over that kind of, if it's not calibrating on kind of a three-month cycle, it's a bit of an indicator that it's heading in a wrong territory. Mm. And, you know, I think any of us that have pushed the limit on performance and what we're capable to do come close to burnout at times. I have definitely been close to burnout a couple of times. And knowing when the triggers are to start to pull that back, I think is is really important. That's so well said. And look, lastly, I'm curious. I mean, I know that I have um, a piece of wisdom that I come back to quite often that helps guide me on my life and work journey. Has there been sort of a piece of wisdom or advice that you've received over your journey that sort of something you keep coming back to to drive you on your way? It's probably a truth that I tripped over. So when when I, I grew up, when I was young, my parents were really young and we travelled and I was around adults a lot. And, you know, at school and sort of probably through my first kind of early career, I felt really different. I felt like I just wasn't the same. Like I just hadn't grown up in that community with kids around me and all of that. And I, I felt very mature for in the way I looked at things because I had been around adults all the time. So, you know, we talk about diversity now and I do look at diversity as being um, quite a broad spectrum of being different. But my wisdom on that would be when I work with leaders and at Maximus when we work with leaders, it's understanding that the things that make you different are sometimes the things that make you special and unique Mm -hmm. and working with people to kind of not be afraid of those differences or not think that there's a perfect script book or a perfect film script that you should kind of be following, but really to say, you know, if you're a bit quirky, like what is that about you? Does that make you more accessible, more interesting, Mm. more unique? Um, So I'm a huge believer in kind of really leaning in and understanding difference and how to unlock difference that differentiates a person. Um, So that, that would be a really key thing. And probably just the other one is courage. Like everybody feels the fear. Um, If you really have conviction about what you want to do, feel the courage and feel the fear and then lean into the courage to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Because if it's worthwhile, you'll make it happen. Love it. That's such a good way to end. Um, So I do want to ask you, how can people connect with you and learn more about your and Maximus's terrific work? Yep. So probably the best way is through our website, um, www.maximus.com.au. Um, there's all the information about the team on there, some of our thought leadership. Yeah. Reach out. Fantastic. Uh, if you mind hanging on for a sec and we'll have a quick debrief, but thanks so much for joining us. Perfect. Thanks, Mark. I really enjoyed it. 
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.